Welcome to the new Rickowski Podcast Network. This is an episode of the Out of the Rut Show, and I'm very excited to have our first repeat guest on, Billy Lanford. How you doing, Billy? Doing well. I'm awesome. hyped. Thank number you. Number one. Thank you for coming well, number back, Number one, man. number two. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know. Number uh, first guest uh, coming back, number one in your hearts. It's <laughs> awesome. Kind of how, how it rolls. I'm I, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this rebranding, and I'll, I'll, I'll briefly kind of touch base on what I've been working on. Taking a second to think back, this is kind of like a 90-day review for me. I've, this, it's about 90 days that we've been, Joe and I have been putting this podcast together. I guess it and is. <laughs> it, it, can you believe? Like almost, almost to the day. Yeah. From when we recorded, because we recorded on like the 31st of August or yep. something like that. V- yeah, very. It's cool. a lot of episodes. It is. Yeah, we've been we've been days. hammering it. I've, I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of what we've done. I it's mean, a- you got to be flirting with 20, right? Uh, about yeah, total. And it's it's weird because there are like four episodes of ours in between any of the other three or four podcasts that I listen to, with all the the random stuff that we do. It's pretty crazy yeah that's unbelievable yeah it's awesome kudos to you guys thank you it's a lot of content so my what what i originally wanted to do when i started this is to tell stories that is what i love about this long format podcast episode and having uh normal everyday people that you can bump into that have incredible stories that's one thing hearing salty's story was awesome hearing fonte's story was awesome uh, Ken Boyd spending 31 yeah. years in the military serving overseas like that is awesome uh, I have some stuff lined up that is going to come out in December that is just going to be um, out of this world so what I originally set out to do was to tell stories and to provide content that was going to make people's days better um, some episodes I feel like we got a little bit away from that some some just didn't really have a direction or a purpose and that's on me but I think Moving forward, um, there's going to be much more of a focus on, uh, at least on the out of the rut side, is going to be the leadership, the the motivation side, um, positive things, success stories, uh, overcoming stories, people that had to overcome absurd obstacles. So that's the direction that we're going with out of the rut. The second thing is with our NFL segment with Tyler and I, we are going to be completely rebranding that hopefully by the end of the year, but we're going to be doing that kind of as a, it's going to be within the Rutkowski podcast network, but kind of a a show of its own, if you will. And then we're excited to announce that we're launching our third segment of the Rutkowski podcast network, uh, name to be determined. Um, But Chloe and I are going to start our marriage and relationship podcast where we interview couples who are in all sorts of walks of life. Um, that's probably going to be something that we're going to focus a lot more on the quality side than the quantity side. So we mm-hmm. probably will only do maybe one a month or one every two months or something like that. Um, but with the goal being to um, not come at things from an expert standpoint, to but, but to come at things from a curiosity standpoint. 
So when we interview a couple, we want to learn about their success stories and the maybe some struggles they had in their marriage that they're willing to open up about and some things that they've learned and applied that have helped them become who they are today as a person, you know, 10, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. All right. So let's get, let's get right into this. So thanks for coming back on. Really appreciate it. I wanted to pick your brain about success principles and leadership. Pressure. Are you ready for this? I think so. I feel like I'm on the hot seat now. I'm starting to sweat. Billy, you've read 15 minutes of a book every day for the last, uh, you know, 10 pages a day, 10 pages a day. Yeah. Which for me probably takes about 15 to 20 minutes. Maybe not for you. You probably read I'm a little slow faster. Slow reader, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what I'm reading. Yeah. So, what? So, we were talking about this um, while we were working out on Saturday. What? Mm-hmm. What is? What's some advice that you might give to somebody who, um, let's say, they had a really good run, a good a good five year run of maybe it's their job, maybe it's their business. Um, but they feel like they've hit a wall. And I know this is super generic, but what's a couple things that you might um, you might give to somebody? Let's say, I'll, I'll make it specific. Somebody working a corporate job, they've, they've done really well for themselves in that job, but they feel like they're stuck. How do you get somebody unstuck? You know what's really funny is, um, so I spent all day recording. Uh, are you guys familiar with Thinktific? No. I've so, heard the name. It's a platform, kind of like Masterclass, but anyone can do it, right? So I decided to take some of the things that I've been doing over the last 15 plus years, put it into kind of that classroom format Mm -hmm. and just throw some um, classes up there. And one of the things that I discuss in is foundation and that it's always changing, right? Like my foundation today, now don't get me wrong, there's some principles that stay the same, but it's something that is constantly evolving um, as I evolve. So... You saying that's a generic um, kind of example really isn't that generic. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of what happens every day to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. It's even six years ago, I, I blew up my, like what I would consider my foundation at the time. And, and I kept some principles for sure, but I changed a lot of it um, because my values changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. My standard changed for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I decided to lean deeper into that. So... I think first and foremost, you're within that foundation kind of idea. You're always redefining and defining what success is because mm-hmm. that's such an arbitrary word, right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what is success? Success to me, success to you are two different things, right? To you, maybe it's a red Ferrari. And to me, it's, I don't know, living at the shelter. Like, it just, who knows what success is or yeah. success for me is yeah. spending time with my family every day. Um, and making $50,000 a year and, and maybe, you know, to you it's 200 grand a year. Mm -hmm. Who knows? So I think number one is really defining what success is. Um, I would say number two is finding someone who's been there and done that, right? None of us have to be Roger Bannister. If you guys are familiar with Roger Bannister. Four minute mile. That's right. Mm Yeah. Three minutes, 59, what was it? Three minutes, 59.4 seconds, mm-hmm. right? So he barely got it, but he was the first guy. Yep. 46 days after that, I mean, uh, now thousands of people. The dominoes started falling yeah. right after mm-hmm. that. Yep. And the reality is, is none of us, we're not Elon Musk. We were discussing this like off the air here. Yep. At this point, none of us are Elon Musk. So none of us are trying to do something that hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. So find somebody who's done it. 
realize and have, have a real come to Jesus moment with yourself. Uh, self-awareness is vastly important. And I think it's something that most people truly don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but realize what you need to learn, what you need to give up, all those good things in order to be that person or to attain that success. Mm-hmm. And then step number uh, three at this point would be, what are you going to sacrifice? What are you no willing to one give likes up to, to give there. up? Yeah. No one likes to give up, and you ain't getting without giving up. And then go for it. Create a process and go to work. I like it. It's pretty simple, <laughs> in theory. In theory, <laughs> simple but not easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, simple in theory, difficult in application sometimes because the application requires discipline. Do you think Very that much. people? are given a like when they came off the the um, proverbial conveyor belt when god was creating them or whoever your creator might be do you think people are assigned a level of discipline or is discipline a, a habit that you create based on your daily maybe just what 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 cre- what where does discipline come from that's my question yeah uh, the latter I mean, I think we all have, you know, personality traits or learned traits that may lean towards discipline. But like, I'm a really lazy person. Like, just to be honest with you, I could sit around and watch TV for days on end. Not not TV, because I really don't, I don't care too much about TV, but like movies. Sure. Or I could just go for a walk. Like I could just blow off. I'm, I'm very laissez-faire. I've taught myself and force myself to be the person I am. Um, so there's no way that it's just, so you have a hard time listening to people's excuses is what you're saying. Excuses are terrible. It's so funny. Carlos, see, we texted and he was going to show up Saturday morning Uh to, to our workout. And he gave me this whole thing. And I was like, all right, man, whatever. I was like, Hey, I'm there every Saturday. If you want to show up, show up. And he was like, you really don't take excuses, do you? And I was like, Mm -hmm. nope. I mean, number one is if I'm going to be the guy who teaches coaches, um, the people that I want to, I can't have excuses in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, because that would make me a hypocrite and I'm not a fan of that. So if I don't do something, it's just, I don't, I didn't do it. Now here's why. And I learned from it, hopefully, and now I'll get back on board and do it because no one's perfect. Um, but to sit there and make excuses as to I couldn't go because of this or I don't have that job because my history teacher in 11th grade told me I was crappy. Like, I, whatever, man. Yeah. Like, go internal, do some work, heal, let's get there. What's the line between a reason and an excuse? Ooh. Yeah, I think a reason is you learn from it, hmm. and then you put into play how you're going to get over that. So an excuse is, yeah, a response. Gotcha. I think a, a, an excuse is a, is a, I don't know, it's a really half-hearted effort <laughs> <laughs> in, in justifying why you, why you couldn't do something. It's lazy. There's just, I don't know, there's no place in my, my world for it. Hmm. Now, I don't have a problem with failure. I don't have a problem with people not doing things, but just say, I didn't do it. And I was always this way. Like when I used to party four or five days a week, I made no qualms about it. I was mm-hmm. very upfront with it. If I wanted to go drink instead of work out, I went and drank mm-hmm. instead of worked out, but I was upfront with it. Yeah. So yeah, don't lie to that's yourself. My, exactly. That, that's it right mm-hmm. there. Don't lie to yourself. 
So you can, so by not becoming disciplined, I've heard somebody say that uh, discipline equals freedom and um, being, um, uh, they use the example of finances, but um, being poor is hard and working really hard to make a living is also hard. Choose your hard. I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Is that, um, extreme ownership? His name slipped my mind right now. Jocko Jocko Willing. Jocko. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love Jocko. Yep. I would totally agree. Yeah. I I think, you know, we are so handcuffed by, I'll give you an example. I I read on social media and I almost, I try to stay away from starting fights on Facebook and I, I really water down some of the things I say, but take student, student loans. And I love it when people, you know, go, I, I have a good friend of mine who's a therapist who went and worked at Cherry Health. And after whatever, five years, seven years, whatever it was, they paid this, you know, student loan debt. I think that's awesome. Yeah. But what I don't understand is all these people crying about student loan when they chose to go to school, right. the school they went to, right. pay astronomical fees instead of going to a JUCO or doing whatever they did. And now they're crying about it. Yeah. That to me is a like a microcosm of our culture. I agree. I have the biggest problem with that. Now, I and I and I'm not going to do this. This is my one the one thing that I it I I 100% agree with everything you said. The one thing that I will back people who are upset about their student loan debt is because you are strapping an eight, an 18-year-old kid who might be ambitious, who their entire life have been programmed to think that you're not going to be successful unless you go through this higher level of education at this collegiate institution. They've that, that, that mindset is instilled in them. And then they get to the point where it's, uh, it's boom or bust and they have to make a decision. Do I strap myself with tens of thousands of dollars of debt or do I become a failure? And I think a lot of kids are faced with that decision and as somebody with a banking background, I would argue that there are some very nefarious predatory lending practices taking place on college campuses. Yes. As, as a student who is still <laughs> in the process of paying for school, haven't graduated yet, late transfer, yes. <laughs> yeah. Colleges are businesses. They're not benevolent institutions of learning. They're, they're businesses. And I think, honestly, worse, worse than just... Um, being an 18-year-old kid looking at the option, do I go to college or do I not, is going to college and not realizing the mistake you're making until you're $50,000 in debt. Yeah. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree, but also to be a victim to that is BS. Yes, true. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because it's where you have to go to school, right? Mm-hmm. In quotations, I have to go to U of M. Yeah. I have to go to Michigan State. I have to go to Central. No, you can go to Grand Rapids Community College. For sure. But even still, like, I I guess kind of to d- defend my point sure. a little bit, I wasn't thinking about where I wanted to go to school. I, I saw Michigan Tech. I fell in love with, the, with mm-hmm. the UP and the environment up there, the people up there. It was awesome, but it wasn't the best place for me to learn. So I transferred, and I've paid a lot more for that. And... I think that I've I've owned that decision and I'm very very glad that I made that decision despite the money that it's cost me but the 
it's hard to not feel bad for the people that don't realize until it's too late. And as you say, excuses for, for making that choice are way different than saying, well, I made this choice. What am I going to do now? Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, we're, we could go so many levels mm-hmm. on this. The yeah. institution of, of learning sucks, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I mean, from elementary school on up. I mean, the, the lack of finance taught, the lack of ingenuity talk, the reality that we're still educating uh, our kids and adults, for that matter, mm-hmm. like we're, you know, in 1960 and people are coming out and being a cog in a wheel. Yeah. Which is not what we need today. We need people to come out and make decisions. To know how to or, think. Yes. Yeah. Be solution-based, solve problems, mm-hmm. think differently. And they don't know how to do that. I mean, we hire a, a ton of young folks who, who are awesome, but there's also a lot of like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You got to come up with some solutions. Yeah. You know, and it's so hard to find. Mm-hmm. Because everyone wants, well, okay, now tell me what to do. Like, just like class. I mean, I... Yeah. No different if you went to U of M or Grand Valley or wherever else. It's all the same, and it blows my mind. Yeah. It's just a lot of the people at U of M were better at memorization than a lot yeah. of people at other schools. Yeah. It, it truly blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't disagree with you. I also think, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Thankfully, because of baseball and my parents were heavily involved, that I didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. Um so, I yeah, I don't know. I think it sucks, but I also think it's a reality that you're in. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And like you said, like you can make an excuse or you can be a victim to it or you can be like, this is what it is. These are the decisions I made. Mm-hmm. I mean, even take 50 grand, right? Like, which is one year at a lot of institutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I'm 18, I was 18 once and I saw like, man, 50 grand, if I stay here, I'm going to be $200,000 in debt. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... I, at some point, aren't you just going to be like, this probably isn't a good move? I yeah. mean, do, do, like, can we think that little? Can, can we, like, can seri- we filter like, that through a brain cell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk, like, you talked about perspective earlier. I mean, okay, I should probably get a perspective. Wow, the average, you know, college, uh, you know, what diploma I'm going to make, 46 grand a year, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, yeah. 42. It's going to take me four do, lifetimes to pay it off. There are a lot of things you can do to make 40 grand in this world that do not require 100%. a college, college yeah. degree. So I didn't have a college degree until I was 35. I, when I left Western, I, I, hated, I hated school. The only reason I was there is because of baseball. I hated school. I left with 21 credits left. And then at 35, I decided to get it just because the chip that was on my shoulder that said, I'll do it my way was wearing off mm-hmm. and I had done well. So, um, so I, I went back and got it online. It was a, a wasted $8,000. I have never used that piece of paper for anything <laughs> in my life. And I mean, I make a good income, Sure, you know, mm-hmm. but, but that takes work. It takes effort. It takes mm-hmm. all, you know, it takes all the stuff we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Which is the other thing a lot of people don't want because they want it handed. You know, hand me the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, same thing. Man, we're really digressing Keep here. going. You're good. But folks come into a job, and I see it's a ton with, with um, fresh out of college kids. And they're not kids. I, I should stop saying that to me. I feel like they are, but you guys aren't. Adults 
come in six months of work and it's like, all right, where's my raise? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, all right, where's my, where's my office on the corner? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with the big window. And I've, I've fallen into that. I can, I, I've <laughs> did you in, really? Oh, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a unique case a little bit because before my transfer, so I started at Michigan tech, was there for two and a half years after the summer, after my, uh, sophomore year, I had an internship. And when I transferred, they said, hey, do you want to come back? I was like, oh, great. That would be awesome. And they've taken really good care of me. I've actually been with them ever since. So I'll, when I graduate next August, I will have, for sake of argument, four years of experience in industry. So like, I'm, I'm sitting here getting paid as an intern because I am an intern. I'm not a degreed engineer yet. Right. And I'm like, man, like, why am I not getting a the The work <laughs> I'm doing is worth at least double what I'm getting paid. Like, come on, guys, let's get with the program here. So, like, I had to remind myself, like, you're still an intern. You haven't actually come. You haven't finished what you what you are need to do to be promised that value. Yeah, for the company. Well, and value is the key, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what value are you creating? And in order to get paid more in today's market, means you have to solve bigger problems. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, like, coming in and doing the same thing as the person did five years ago you're probably going to make what that person made five years ago because mm-hmm. there's no more value. Yeah. I mean, value in the marketplace today, I think, is very interesting because it's all based on problem solving. Mm-hmm. If you just come in and you are a cog in the wheel, which is okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with folks who go to work and that's what they want. That's great. But don't expect to make what, you know, the mm-hmm. person who's been there 10 years who's solving problems is making. But I think there's a lot of confusion to that these days. Yeah. Right? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of confusion with that because I come in and I do my job and I do a good job, let's say. But it's a lot of just basic dotting I's, crossing T's, mm-hmm. good work, work that needs to be done, work that does have purpose. But that's what it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you take that same person who comes in who does the same work, dots I's, cross T's. But then they're also noticing how a process can be better mm-hmm. or they're noticing where, you know, the company can save money by changing X, Y, Z or a new technology or whatever it is. Yeah. That person's going to get paid. Mm-hmm. But then the person who's sitting here only crossing, you know, crossing T's, dotting I's gets pissed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's mind blowing to me when I sit back because that's I mean, I tell everyone you get paid for solving problems. And I think the interesting thing is to go back to what you were saying earlier about the education system, not teaching people what needs to happen in the market like the the types of problems that need to be solved in the market today are way different than the school system was designed for back in the day being someone on an assembly line was the cutting edge of everything yeah but the the industries universally have changed and i think that's in the super interesting thing about jobs in america is a lot of the labor has been outsourced because because you can get a lot cheaper but now the demand on people in the mar- the job market in America, they're looking for problem solvers. They're looking for the intellectual side of things. So this whole shift has happened, but education hasn't caught up with that. 100%. We're still educating the industrial age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're obviously information age. Actually, aren't we? I, I feel like there's a new age that I've read about. <laughs> Every couple of years. <laughs> exactly. The yeah. There's something sure. new. Yeah. But that's the thing is, it, it is. It's constantly changing. 
Which means really, I mean, you go back to like discipline and basics. Like if you're not reading, if you're not growing, if you're not listening to podcasts, if you're not somehow bettering yourself, mm-hmm. especially with how fast things are changing, I mean, who knows where you're going to be in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I think about this all the time, especially with technology, because mm-hmm. one, I wasn't a, like, I'm not like you guys. I didn't grow up with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a Nintendo and it was cool when I played Tecmo Bowl. They're still cool. But they are. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Retro cool. They're really slow though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is true. Um, but like, I didn't grow up with that. So I have to learn and I have to adapt and it's not what I love. Mm-hmm. So it is like, even for me, like messing around with that platform today. Like there were a couple of things not working. I wanted to throw my freaking laptop through the <laughs> wall. So like I'm taking pictures, texting a buddy of mine, like who's, you know, he's pretty into like Apple. So he gets it mm-hmm. and he helped me out. And it was like the dumbest thing. Like, dude, don't use, you know, Safari, use Chrome or Firefox. And I'm like, yeah. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> like so basic. But the reality is, is it's a problem probably a lot of people have. And yeah. if you're not evolving, you're not growing, you're not willing to, I could have just quit mm-hmm. and been like, whatever, I'll do it later. But yeah. instead you push through it. And I know that seems so insignificant and small, but you know how many people stop? That was going to be my next question. You're leading right into it. Procrastination. Um, there, I read a book. I can't remember what the book is called. You might know the, with the failure diseases. Um, Magic of thinking big. Magic thinking big. One of the biggest one, one of the three. There's three of them, right? I uh, yeah, it's been a little bit. Procrastination, excusitis, excusitis, and uh, I can't remember, the, I last remember one. the last one. That's not what we're talking about. We talked about excuses already, so yeah. let's talk about procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> this all comes for a cir- full circle. I love it. So what? So procrastination. You and I. You. So two things. You just said one of them with you know plugging through something, albeit so simple. But no, you know in your heart of hearts that if you choose to quit on this one small insignificant task and put it off till later, um, I think that you know that it probably won't get done. But I think it goes deeper than that. Why, from a mindset standpoint, why do you just choose to push, push through those small little obstacles? What does that do for you? As much as I want the outcome, it's not about the outcome. Because the outcome, I, I mean, I could put this out into the universe and sell none. Or I could put it out and sell two million. I have zero, truly zero control over it. Who mm-hmm. buys that? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, what I f- have fallen in love with over the last 15 years or so is the process, is the pain, is the frustration, embracing all of that and realizing that if I don't do something, to ship as like Seth Godin would say, if I don't do something to put out there, then I have no chance at all. Mm -hmm. So I'd rather give myself a chance. Plus it's, I mean, at a real basic format is if I fail, that leads me to the next success. Mm -hmm. You can't, and I really mean can't, you can't lean in to the pain, to the struggle, to the difficulty in anything and give yourself to it and not get paid at some point. And I use mm-hmm. paid loosely because it's not about money. You, you may be paid in other ways, but you will get something in return. It's just how the universe is wired. I mean, I, I didn't set it up that way, but it is the reality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the farmer. The farmer plants, he sows. I mean, it's, it's just yeah. how it works, right? He plants, he waters, he sows, he reaps. 
It just, it happens every year. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that some years aren't going to be more difficult than others, but it's no different. Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. That's awesome. So that really is it. It's just push through, push through. My idea today will lead to my idea tomorrow. I mean, nothing is stagnant, Mm -hmm. you know? So what I'm doing today makes sense. Hence, go back to the foundation. The first thing you said, maybe 10 years from now or five years from now, I want to do something totally different. Maybe I'm done with people. Maybe I just, I mean, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) You all have driven me crazy. I've driven myself crazy, whatever. But maybe I want to go, you know, live in a monastery in India. Who knows? That's going to create a whole different foundation for me, a whole different struggle. You know, it's going to have its price to pay if I want to be, for me, what success is, is really, it's very basic. It's not about attaining. It's about living the way that my heart is telling me to live. That to me is what success is, is going through that. And there's constant struggles in that because it's not easy. I mean, we always have that voice telling us to do this or give up that and we don't want to do it. It's hard. It's difficult. So we don't. And then we stay the same person until we're forced to give it up or maybe never, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Having kids forced me to give up some stuff. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, it, and it's, it is such a weird dynamic and, um, you know, in, in maybe not completely give up anything, but definitely reduce and reallocate. Like I, I, one of my favorite things on earth to do is hang out with the boys. It still is. Yeah, man. I'm right there been. with you. Yeah. And, um, but you know, where before marriage and before babies, you know, that was four or five, six nights a week. Now it's one or two or whenever I record a podcast, have you have yet to have a female guest? <laughs> so this is a, this is my boys' night. Um, not because I don't want to. I just haven't found one. Go ahead. So let me say this because yeah. the, and I don't have kids, so this isn't a kid thing. But I'm just going to use it as an example. You said having kids forced me to give up some things. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem. Is we wait. It's something that I like in the foundations that I work that I work for is people learning to create adversity for themselves. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I decided to stop hanging out with the boys. Doesn't make me better than you. I'm just that's an example. I still have a ton of stuff I need to give up that I'm refusing to. (laughs) Um, I think we we all have that. It's part of being human. Um, and we all have other external things that force us to give up something or stop Mm -hmm. doing something. And, and I think that's great if we truly embrace it and use it for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. But I think what happens often is, yeah, I can't go out with the boys, but then instead of going out with the boys, we sit and we watch, you know, football Mm -hmm. all day, every day or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So it's like, you might as well go hang out with the boys because you're you're not present. hundred percent. Like that actually did nothing for you. It's just an excuse. Mm -hmm. You're just a victim to now you're like you having kids. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's weird to me. Mm -hmm. It's bizarre to me because that's one thing. Once again, I uh, probably in my life, what I'm most proud of is always being very upfront and honest, mm-hmm. even when it wasn't pretty, yeah. even with my parents, when they were like tired of me, like I moved home when I was 24 and I went out a lot and mm-hmm. bless their souls. They were awesome. My mom, I'd go, I'd get home at like two thirty, 
And like my buddy Gabe and I would go in and my mom would make us like steak and eggs because she was just happy we were uh. alive. <laughs> and it was so wild. But but I was I've just always been very straight up with it. And I've like, I don't know, I just I want to feel life. I want to experience it. But that goes back to, you know, a lot of the work people don't want to do when you use that word success for whatever that is. They don't want to do the work of understanding what that looks like for themselves. So then they're just going through life like, yeah, I got kids, so I can't do these things anymore because that's not, quote unquote, that's not what dads do. But then they go waste away doing something else, you know, still not being fully alive, yeah. not being present. Um, and let me add this to it as well. And because you, you, you hit a nerve with me on that because that's 100% true. <laughs> because, and this for me personally, just having kids so young is that you, I wasn't like an adult yet. I was like a kid having kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you so were. with that comes, there's just so many life experiences that I had not had up to that point. Mm -hmm. And so like it was really, at first it was really hard for me to make that transition, even though I knew it was the correct thing to do. Um, because I felt, I felt like I was missing out on something mm -hmm. and that there was there were life experiences that I was never going to be able to have because I had kids now mm -hmm. without having the foresight to, to, you know, and one of the, these examples of being like, you know, before I always thought, you know, if, if I was smart again, I would stay single and I would have bought a house in my early twenties and I would have rented a, a, a couple rooms out to my buddies and pay my mortgage and built all this wealth but like that doesn't necessarily mean that that's something that you can never do it's just something that you have to you have to change the you can still achieve the end result of that you just have to find a different avenue to do it like at this point i can't have three buddies move in with me and occupy rooms <laughs> that would just be, that That'd would be, be weird. Stupid. if you really wanted to i guess you could but joe you would be the only person i feel like that that would that i would be okay with yeah. Other your than wife that, might have something to say about that i i don't know your dog, your dog would be ecstatic if maggie would love it That's amazing. claire would be pretty excited about it too she told me to tell you hi by the way i told her producer joe was hi claire over, so um but yeah, i totally um, agree with you for sure it's the, you know, the more responsibility you have, the slower it goes, whatever that goal or outcome or whatever that thing you're yes, chasing is. For sure. And it's you just to put the blinders 100%, on. 100%. Yeah. Because you have more responsibility. So mm -hmm. you just have to find different ways to do it. But yep. at the end of the day, like my dad told me growing up, like Billy, all life is, is a series of choices and you make them every day and every choice you make um, compounds to the next. And that's who after those series of choices, you're going to be that person in 10 years, 15 years. And then what I've learned. So I think that's great info. And for years I was Billy shots and it was great, but that was the person I became, right? Mm -hmm. Not all bad. Not, you know, there was, there was some good in there too, but, um, but then I realized, wow, if I'm really intentional with my choices, now all of a sudden I don't have to put in 10 hours on doing X, I could put a solid half hour to an hour in mm -hmm. and that's worth that 10. Yeah. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that's something like we just, I just think there's so many little things that people have a very hard time of focusing on um, for a multitude of reasons. But I don't know. The middle-class culture is very interesting to me. Yeah. 
It's very apathetic to me. And that's probably a lot of the people that I like to pick fights with because I know it can be better and they can do better. And it's not a monetary thing. It's a mindset thing. Hmm. It's not a what you make a year or don't make a year. It's how you choose to live your life. Yeah. What's something really difficult that you had to give up that seemed difficult at the time, but now you look back and the fruits of it. I mean, we talked about like the partying and stuff, but that's, that's kind of obvious. Like what's something that was, you really can see a, a big difference now in your life because of it. That was obvious, but I'm insanely social. I've changed a ton over the last five, six years. I've, I've gotten, I don't know. I, I've gotten pretty quiet, if you will. Um, but going out, and it wasn't just about being with the boys. Like it was networking. It was connection. It was, it, it, and it just happened to revolve around drinking. Yeah. But that was a lot deeper than, um, than just like, oh, I got to give up going out with the boys. Probably like it was for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely number one because through that, I lost some really good friends. Uh, or at least good friends at the time. Yeah. You know, uh, for sure. They like the boys. I mean, I, the hardest thing I did, we were going to go see G easy in, uh, <laughs> in Detroit and I decided not to go and they were sending me pics all mm-hmm. night. Like it was ridiculous. And I mean, fun. Yeah. And I would just internally, I was dying, but I knew I was making the right decision. Like that person had to die. Yeah. Um, so that was tough. Cause too, I mean, too, I mean, I was going on like, six to eight guy trips a year like we're going to ball games we're going to shows like we're having a blast yeah. mm-hmm. um so that was tough um honestly outside of that it i mean there's a, you know there's all kinds of diet stuff in there that's you know i mean mm-hmm. i eat pretty clean so that's at this point i don't know if anything else was hard i think what's hard is what was hard for me at least was once I cut out the friendship stuff and the relationship stuff, and and some of those friendships, thank, thankfully, have come back around, yeah. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I had to redefine what all that looked like, the hard the hard part is honestly just keeping it up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, after six years, it just there's many days more. It's harder today than it was two years ago. Mm. But there's many days today where I'm like, this is silly. Like, why am I doing this? I can just back off. I can ease off the gas. Like, things are going good. Momentum, which I firmly believe in, will get me through. So I don't need to read today. I don't need to meditate today. I don't need to make my wife's lunch today or whatever it is. And that is a lot harder for me than the sacrifice. Mm. What keeps you, like, on the ball when that happens? Knowing who I want to become. Mm. Potential has been a big word for me. Um, I want to know who I am and what I'm capable of at 43 years old today. What, what's today's date? November 30th. So if I'm pushing that, um, I feel good at the end of the day. Hmm. If I'm not, it's not like I want to hang myself or anything, but I definitely look at the reasons why and where I, and for me, where I was a coward, because I think the hardest person we face is ourselves. Mm-hmm. So where I was, a, where was I, why was I a coward? Where, and then how do I not allow it to happen again tomorrow? 
or what's really knocking me off course because often there's you know there's deeper stuff going on Mm -hmm. so you got to ask a lot of questions internally and be willing to go down those roads so one thing that i think this is a this is a common theme that we haven't actually said the word yet but we're really like we're really getting there so i'm going to bring it up Mm -hmm. you've read think and grow rich yeah yeah obviously yeah napoleon hill have you read outwitting the devil Napoleon Hill? Yeah. I haven't. Okay. I'm going to give you that book when you leave. Okay. It's yeah, it'd be great. It's an outstanding book. So the backstory on Outwitting the Devil is it um, it was written by Napoleon Hill, but it wasn't published until 2013. So Interesting. Um, his wife, uh, Napoleon Hill's wife, thought that some of the ideas that he talked about were too far out there back in the in the 40s or 50s or wh- yeah, whatever it was. it was. So he agreed that it would be published posthumously. Hmm. However, it was lost somehow and unearthed um, by one of his grandkids, I believe, found it in one of oh, their yeah, houses. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact story it's about it. It's like a it. Tupac song. It, right? <laughs> so, um, so, there are, so the book was published in 2013 with editorial notes. And the thing, basically, it's him having a conversation with the devil. Okay. You can say that it happened in real life or you can say that it's an allegory. Either way, it's incredibly interesting. So he he's interview he's having a Q and A with the devil basically he's like what do you do p- to get people in life to f up like what like Satan what do you do to get people off track and he's like he's like drifting and and this mm-hmm. works really really well with Christians mm-hmm. and he's like I don't have to like like he he knows that like if somebody and this is this is getting into the re- religious side but if somebody gives their life to Christ like they're saved they're they're blood washed but blood born. Satan can't beat them essentially, but he can cause them to drift. Mm-hmm. He can he can mm-hmm. make he he can introduce things or lead people astray. And he just talks about like and one of them being the the most the one that sticks out to me the most is smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. This book was written in the 1940s. This manuscript was this was cigarettes smoking was as as socially acceptable as driving a car. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, like th- nobody thought of this as something bad. Yet Napoleon Hill is saying that this is a gateway to cause you to drift. And he, and there was like all sorts of reasons why. Super interesting. So what in and I'm going to make you talk about a book you've never read. <laughs> this is not fair. But like like what are some things that you see people like maybe like good people with good intentions but maybe just a little off track like people that are kind of just floating or drifting through life. Like what are some, like what are some things that you've seen and uh, like have you helped anybody kind of like get over those humps if you will? Yeah, that's all I deal with. Yeah. I mean, truthfully. Um it's funny. The drifting thing can be anything that keeps you from listening to that voice and doing what it says, right? I mean, it can be, it can be uh, sports. I mean, Netflix. Yep. Um, shopping. I mean, the list can go. I mean, it could be relationships. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, we can just. I could do this every night, and I would never do anything. I mean, this would probably do something, right? Because we're putting it out in the sure. universe, so we are creating something. But at the end of the day, it's anything that keeps you from being who you were created to be, right? Um, and humans are really good at doing that. <laughs> um, and that's where I would argue and say the middle class fails because they dive into that more than anyone else. They eat it up, hundred percent. I mean, like I said, whether it's ball games, whether it's movies, whether it's Going to freaking 
some ice show at Van Andel. I mean, it's constantly mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. I've fallen into it several times myself. Coming from little small town Gaylord to Grand Rapids, ooh, there's all these cool things to do to have fun. Yeah. And uh, fun. There yeah. it is. And that and that's the thing we you know and that's why adversity has been such a big deal to me over the the past decade or or more, um, because without the pain we don't really know what fun is like you mm. know what I mean it's 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 the Nietzsche good versus evil yeah. you know without evil you don't know what good is without pain you don't know what happy is or heal you know being healed is right. But yet we just want to toe this line in the middle that says, I don't want, I don't want adversity. And I really don't care if I'm happy. I just want to be here, Mm -hmm. wherever, in this weird, apathetic place that looks like I'm doing things, but really I'm doing nothing. Or doing just enough to make you feel like you're doing something. I go to my job and I get my check and, you know, I feed my kids and I hug my spouse. Ten foot forward, ten foot back. Yeah, man. And then I sit and I watch TV all night or I watch a movie or I do whatever. I mow the yard, but I'm not really doing anything. I'm just going through the motions of life. There's a great teacher, a great businessman, a guy named Dave Severin. You've heard of him. Mm -hmm. And he told a story that there's there's a bear in a zoo. And the the bear, a, a, a giant grizzly bear, ferocious creature. Every single day, they they put his food ten feet from his cage. Every day for ten years, he walked ten foot, got his food, ate, went back to his cage, for every day for ten years without without missing a day. Didn't take off Christmas, holidays, <laughs> New Year's, Thanksgivings. Every single day, bear walked ten foot forward, ten foot back. One day they moved the, the they they reorganized the cage or something. They put his f- food fifteen feet away from him. The bear walked ten f- yeah. ten feet. Food wasn't there. Looked around, confused. Mm-hmm. Walked back. Mm-hmm. Bear starved to death. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I feel like that is something that most Americans um, who I, I think I think people and I'm 27, so I'm speaking from a position of privilege because this is not me, but I think people in their 40s who are having a really hard time, maybe a midlife crisis or something like that, have fallen into that trap. Go to work, get a paycheck, come home. Weekends off, cut the yard. Maybe fix a faucet. But never really striving to become better. For sure. Totally agree. How do we, how do, how, what is it that people, like... So you're you're hearing this from the, the the first time, and you're pissed off because Billy said something that just struck you to your core. What do you, where do you start? Somebody who's never taken personal responsibility for their personal growth, they're just like, yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of self help. I don't need that crap. But maybe you heard something that's like, you know what? I'm not. I'm. Am I happy? Not. Not really. What What's a good first step? Baby Take it steps. personal. <laughs> okay, so that's the first step. You, you I mean, you know off. what I'm saying, yeah, though? How sure. many times do we hear things yeah. at any age yeah. that hits us at our core and we explain our way out of it? I mean, I did mm-hmm. it for years, right? Like, that's, once again, it's just what we do. Yeah. And then we go it's find some form of entertainment and, yeah. and we're over it, you know? Um, you know, once again, number one, I think it's finding somebody who they respect and how they live, who does it different. Right. Like the other thing is people don't want to be different. I mean, when I quit drinking, especially in the culture that I'm in, um, 
just in life in general, friends, work. I, I mean, I am definitely on the outside, mm-hmm. right? It's not good or bad. It's just different. But I had to be okay with that, right? But I was, as Dave Ramsey would say, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired with some things, right? <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. had to make that change. But that's the thing is when people, the, the hard thing is something strikes a nerve. It's like, man, you know what? This is interesting or that guy's right or that person, you know, said something that, that sounds like something I need to follow or learn about. But then what happens is they go to somebody who's like them, right? It's like going to that broke brother-in-law for financial advice, who, you know, who's quote unquote broke. Yeah. And then they ask them, Hey, what should I do? And they're like, Oh dude, that guy's an idiot. He's a whatever. Yeah. And then they're like, he's a multimillionaire, but he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I won't do it. Yeah. You know, the thing is people need to look to somebody bigger than who they are. And I don't I mean, we're all humans and we're all equal, all that great stuff, but who's somebody who's living different. Somebody sure. who's living um, an interesting life. It yeah. may not be. I mean, no one's life is perfect, mm. right? Because some people, some people look at the way I live and they think it's ridiculous. Yep. And I'm just not the right person for them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But there is somebody out there who's living different that they will connect with. You know what I mean? That sure. they need to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just hell-bent on the reality that we, are all, we were all born to create. Yeah. So to me, when somebody's not creating and doing something, I mean, it's, I don't want to say they're a waste of breath because that's just very harsh, but they're being apathetic and that's kind of the same thing. Like you're taking up space. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you actually doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. truly, what are you doing? Yeah. You're just playing a role. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to play a role. I want to be the star of the show. Yeah. But and Bill, everyone but, can be that. But Billy, I'm I'm 18. I'm 19. I'm too young. Or Billy, I'm I'm 65. I'm 70. I'm 75. Like what? I'm I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, my dad was in Vietnam. He'd be interesting to get on. He uh he was in 21 years. He was a Army Ranger. Shot twice. Okay. Uh, Silver Star, which is below a Medal of Honor. Um, is he okay talking about it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. You you just downplayed the Silver Star way too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Silver that's Star. That's because that's what he yeah, was. Yeah. Death Metal Honor. Yeah. It took. He actually just told me about what happened um, uh, last year. No kidding. Yeah. After yeah. all this time. Uh huh. And was it he's something 79. that you'd like bring up to him and like try to? G- I tried for years. No kidding. And he was like, nope, nope. And finally, I'm like, Dad, like you're getting older. I'm getting older. One of us may not be here. Somebody needs to know this story so that it can be told. Yes. Again. Absolutely. Um, because it's legacy. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Legacy is important. So, um, so yeah, he finally told me a story. Now I have no idea what I was going to say about that. Where in the heck were we? We were talking uh, excuses that people might make. Oh, I'm too old. I'm too young. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So so my dad, it was pretty great. When I was 26, um, he, for a lot of Vietnam vets, obviously, there was a, there's been a lot of struggle. So PTSD, much trauma. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, and he's killed we, it. We, our American, American, America as a country did a piss poor job 
handling the not necessarily like the <laughs> starting situ- a war that never should have happened that that too but <laughs> how, of the politics of it though. how the how oh the, horrible yeah yeah how the terrible people handled like the the, the, horrible. Ki- the kids being drafted who had no say in the matter mm-hmm. like people were being a-holes to them and i i have a problem yeah. with that like even that coming back, I mean, civilians spinning on people. I, yeah. It's just that's yeah. I think bad, especially coming back. Like, bad deal. Everyone was scared of being drafted. Yeah. So like, but I can I can understand people being like, oh man, you don't want to get drafted. Like, come on, like it's it's your civil duty. Go do it. But mm-hmm. to make fun of them on the front end and then they go they're they go through all of this trauma to protect 100%. our freedoms at home and then treat them like crap when they come yeah. back. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. So that's I was I was 26. Um my dad was in his early 60s. We go to breakfast and he just starts chatting with me about some of his struggles with mm-hmm. coming back and I was in social work uh you know around that time. It was before I bought the business, but um but he starts walking me through this and I'm like, "Dad, go to counseling." Like it would be phenomenal. Like, I can walk with you only so far because, mm-hmm. I mean, one, I'm your kid, so it's weird. There's a yeah, powder conflict of interest. Yeah. It just, <laughs> um, but it was like, why don't you take a step and do that? And you, I mean, you got to figure this guy, not the generation that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially you're talking about some really deep stuff. But he did it. And going, he did, he ended up doing group therapy for a couple years with other vets and it was amazing. And he got, really got to see how amazing, like he has evolved yeah. and he has healed and Give he has dealt with stuff. hundred percent. Um, so you talk about change, like change is what you choose to do. And it, once again, it's success. My dad was like, I can be a bit better. You know, I don't have to lose my temper at times, you know, like, you know, so quickly, I need to deal with some of this. So that's what he did. And he's more successful today for it. Mm -hmm. Same thing. The person that's 18, it's what do you define as success? When I was 20, um, when I was 27 and I decided, man, Tony Robbins is a really interesting guy. I want to do that. Like I love coaching people. I love working with people. I had no idea what to do. And it's taken me 16 years almost now to get to a point where I kind of get it. I mean, Tony's on a different you know, yep. atmosphere, but like, I, I get it enough to where I can give the way I want to give, and then I can build from that. But that's the thing, right? So where, where people decide not to lean in is they don't want to do 16 years. 16 years. I had success mm. along that. 16 years to be able to sit here and you actually want to hear what I have to say. You didn't want to hear what I had to say 10 years ago. No one did. No one asked. No one. But yet I was saying it. I was doing it. I was coaching people. I was doing mm. it all for free. Mm. I was doing it because I loved it. I was doing it because my heart said, you have to do this. Mm-hmm. You have to learn and you have to give it away. And you have to walk with people. So to me taking that 18 year old is saying what is success today is it a college degree for you great is it learning a trade great is it whatever it is whatever that next kind of thing is it's diving in and becoming that person Uh you know what i'm saying like we don't have to have it all we don't like and it's going to take a lifetime like that's the other thing this is a constant it's it's habitual 
It's a constant uh, dance that's going on internally. Mm-hmm. The external stuff is fluff, man. Yeah. I mean, I you know, it's funny to me, like, all the stuff we do for external praise or we feel good externally, but we don't do anything internally. Like, I sold a BMW two years ago because I felt like I was getting egocentric. Interesting. And I bought... Uh, not a BMW because I was like, you're, it doesn't matter what you drive. Mm-hmm. So for me, I had to go to another desert, which is what I call it. Right. I had to go internal more because that doesn't matter. That external stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing. It's what, what, what do we choose to be? I didn't want to be that person. I don't want to be egotistical because of a stupid car I drive. And if I'm so immature that I can't handle that. And that's my value is being wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. Then for me personally, I need to find a way out of that. So that's what I did because the person that I want to be doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I drive a red Ferrari or a Ford escape doesn't matter. Uh Do you know what I'm saying? But that's not success to everyone. And that's why once again, defining that, knowing who that person is, making a plan, getting some accountability, becoming disciplined. That's the work. How do you start on that journey of finding what success is? So someone that's, maybe maybe 18 maybe 65 when when they've kind of floated through life and then they have this realization they take it personally they're like i i need something to change but i don't know where to start i don't know what my end goal is like how do you find that yeah on my phone one of the funnest things that i do on my phone i have my um i call it a reality board a vision board whatever you Mm want to say um but i think with somebody who's never been down that road creating one of these what do you love in life what do you want more of Mm. right like life is about abundance it's not about scarcity so first and foremost it's letting people see like if you could have anything like get rid of your scarcity because you know a lot of people you do that and they're like well i can't so it's a stupid game to play Mm -hmm. so so we have to get through the scarcity portion but to say hey Create a board, take a poster board, get some magazines, print some stuff out on your computer. If you could have anything in life, what would it be? I mean, to me, that's the best starting place ever. You have to get somebody thinking differently than, what, than where they're at today. And they have to start seeing a future that's different, even if they think it's BS. They have to start just visualizing it a little different. Mm-hmm. Like even for me, I added a red Ferrari. I, do I want a red Ferrari? No. Like a buddy of mine um, told me I'd probably have it for like six months and sell it. He's right. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm just not that guy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's on there because I have to think bigger. And that helps me think bigger. Even if I thought it was BS when I first did it, mm-hmm. I'm starting to be like, that red Ferrari might be fun. Mm-hmm. Like that might be a good time. Oh, Billy, I don't even drive fast. Billy, that's materialistic. Why do you have just stuff on there? A bunch of bunch <laughs> of material stuff. So, and that's the thing is I don't, I have, um, uh, like on mine right here, I have a picture of a man and a woman holding hands. I have, um, I have a dog pile baseball cause nice. I know I want baseball to be a part of my life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is more than just baseball because it's about success. It's about being a team. Hey, it's you want to come play for champions. the Braves next year? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I have uh, a book because I'm in the process of writing. So ooh, I'm. I have forward to that one. I have, uh, as you can see here, it's almost like a Carnegie Hall with like a ton mm. of people in it, nice. and it's from the podium because I want to speak to the masses. Like that's the thing. Actually, mine is very. There's only a few. There's only a few. Yeah. Um, I do have a Winnebago because I want to tour. 
for sure nice. and do some talks which would be awesome but yeah i mean that's the thing though but if it is all materialistic that's okay because yeah. it's like that's the thing it's it's a starting point for sure, if everything. That's, if evolves, that's what fires you, know? you up enough to start Heck improving yes. your life, God bless you. That, and there's nothing is, wrong with there's it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at is, all. The thing that pisses me off is that money is like fire. It is a terrific servant, but it's a terrible master. And the middle class, like you alluded to earlier, and hey, I'm 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 preaching to the choir here because I am part of the middle class at this point in my life, as of November thirtieth. Oh, same, same. I'm in the middle class. Like, don't get me wrong, but that's not where I want to be my whole life. No, and it's, it, once again, it's not a monetary thing. Sure. Right? Because there, there's a ton of wealthy people who, who are no better off. That is true. Internally. There are lots of billionaires that their, their money and not their businesses happy at all. control them. 100%. And there are a lot of, you know, 100,000 heirs who control their money and they live free and happy. Don't have a care in the world. We take the external stuff only to go internal. Mm. So then you ask that. You ask the question would be the step. I would want, I, I like to get people thinking bigger. So it's this, but then asking questions why? Tell me the picture with baseball, the dog pile of, of uh, I think it's South Carolina after winning the national championship. Why, why that? And then I have to start talking about that. Mm. I have to go levels deeper. And then it's constantly asking why, why? I mean, really, I'm like a child. It's curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. It's curiosity. Why do I think this way? Um, you know, why the, the RV? Why the Winnebago? Why? Where does that come from? Well, I saw this one person who I love, like Rob Bell, used to do speaking tours. And he had a Winnebago. Gotcha. He had a big thing. But that, so that, that triggered in my mind. But then why, Billy? Why, why do you want to do that? Well, I want to see the world or the U.S. I want to see more of it. I want to be able to connect with different people. I love to travel. Why do you love to travel? I mean, that's the stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the ticket. You want a better relationship with, with your wife. Why? Is it good now? You got to start. It, that's the thing. It's taking the time to constantly ask why. And then go deeper and ask the questions off of that. So to maybe connect it earlier, this is the self-awareness then. 100%. Gotcha. 100%, right? Like, I mean, we could sit here and do this, right? You guys are at a 90-day review. Yep. Right? This is it. So you, you, you made a, a change mm -hmm. to the network. Yes, now sir. there's three shows. And it's under the umbrella of the Rakowski Network. Is that right? R Rakowski Podcast Network. Yep. yep. Why? Because I want to, two reasons why. This is a really good question, putting me on the spot. <laughs> Little tip, by the way, if somebody asks you a question you don't know the answer to, say that's a really good question, and that gives you more time to think about the answer no, but, to the question. And, and it's okay if you don't have an answer on the spot, because we're on the air. Yeah, for sure. But but I do have an answer. Okay. So I, I really... Um, one thing I found that I was very passionate when I began my personal development journey from the age of like 19 is that I really enjoyed the process of becoming a better person. And one thing that I, that I did when I started that process is that I had a very close circle of guy friends that I quit cold turkey. Like I... Like you probably did this a lot more people skillfully. And after high school, I had just met a new group of people who I was really excited about hanging out with. I wanted to introduce some of my friends 
and bring this, bring them into this positive network where I'm learning a bunch of stuff, you know? Um, so I quit drinking, I quit smoking, I quit smoking cigarettes. Like I was, I, I was a three sport athlete in high school, smoked two packs of cigarettes a week. Like how <laughs> stupid can you get? So, um, basically my friends made the decision that they were not going to change. And at 19, I made the decision that if you're not coming with me, I'm going alone. Yeah. Good for you. So now having said that, yes, I drink today responsibly because I'm an adult and I enjoy it still. But the point of it being is that I, I, I see lots of people around me that I think I, I want them to want to be better, but you can't, it's like pushing a rope. Sometimes you can't make somebody want to be better. They have to want to be better. Mm -hmm. So I want to provide a product that is positive and uplifting to people that somebody, you know, some random person somewhere that can tune into the show and say, Hey, you know what? I feel a lot better about myself after listening to that or saying I I'm pissed off right now because something that was said on that show that Billy said struck a chord with me and I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be pissed off enough to change something. Or the second thing being is that I'm also on a kind of my own personal walk to success, Mm -hmm. which is the arbitrary, not necessarily monetary, but I want to document that. And Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, because you in life, you just run across some of the coolest people. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's, it's such a chance thing that you and I even know each other. For sure. And I want to pull people in from my network who I think are very interesting and document conversations about where we're at in life. And I just Mm -hmm. think that's super interesting to me. Yeah. What do you get internally from that? It provides valuable perspective for me. One of two ways, somebody who is in your shoes, who is maybe a little bit further down the road of life to me, it gives me something to shoot for. It gives me a good example to follow. Mm Mm-hmm. Somebody who's a 21, 22-year-old kid, I see myself in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, hey, I can I can come down. I can empathize with you. Hey, I, I've been where you're at. Mm-hmm. I, I know where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Here's, some, here's, here's an opportunity for me to be real. Um, a couple guys that I've met through baseball, some people I've met through work, um, that I can just say, hey, you know, hey, man, I remember, you know, a, a, a handful of years ago when I was in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Um you know, here, here's a couple of things that I did. Here's, you know, um, have you ever thought about things like this? Mm-hmm. And then um, the last thing is that I want to, and this is something that is just, um, I, I want to be able to share Christ's love in a message that can come across as not a, I'm not trying to thump you over the head with my Bible, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I mm-hmm. want to be a normal person. I want to be a genuine human being. But I want to get to know people well enough to where they want to know what I know. Sure. And they want to know why I believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, because we do live in a culture where you can just, you know, you put stuff out there and um, you can bludgeon people to death. I just want to uh, be able to impact people's lives in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Are you proud of the show? Man, you're starting to interview me. I like this. Um, <laughs> I'm very proud of what we've accomplished up to this point. I'm yeah. this... There, this has not been easy. Um, it is, it has been, it has taken a lot of, um, a lot of focus, a lot of, a lot of work on my part, especially on Joe's part, <laughs> especially on the front end. Um, just figuring all this stuff out. 
yeah, I'm proud of what we've done so far. I really am. And it gets me excited to know that we put together a 90 day run of putting out, you know, I'm not good at math, but like an episode every like four and a half days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's amazing. That's not something to be taken lightly, I don't think. What, uh, what feeling do you have? I feel like we're just getting started. What does that mean? It means that we, I think that we have something special here. Yep. But define, define the feeling. Um, define the emotion. I feel like, I, I just, I feel really free because this is one of the, one of the first things that I've had the opportunity to just completely create. I can do, I can do anything that I want to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I work a nine to five job right now that does not grant me some of those liberties, mm-hmm. any of those liberties to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done different things in the past where there are lots of different, um, you know, you can do what you want, but we, we really need to do things this way. And I want to, I think this is for me, it's, it's freeing, but it's also, um, it's been a humbling experience as well because I realize how little I actually know mm-hmm. about the, about the world and mm-hmm. people that live in this space that have been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I've learned, I'm not Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> not many are. Uh, Maybe that, no one is. Actually. Yeah, for sure. Like the first episode we did was just hilarious with Tyler because I was like, Oh, it's just going to be like Joe Rogan. We're going to sit in front of mics for three hours, get hammered and talk about random stuff. And it's just <laughs> not it's, that easy. I need to, I need to like figure out how to get like communicate to people like, Hey, don't go back and start from episode one. If you really want to start from the most recent one, and go backwards because <laughs> episode one was not that great. So then, and don't answer this. We'll, we'll move on. But then I would ask you next after we had done something like that exercise is where do you need to have that feeling in other places of your life? Uh-huh. And then we could work on creating a process for that right? That Mm -hmm. freedom, you've said it like three or four times, right? So all I do is look for themes. Mm. You've said freedom quite a few times. You just went deeper into it, talking about your job and the nine to five, and you don't love that. Hate it. Can't stand it. So that's what, so, so if I was working with you, we would want to define what that means. We'd want to define who that person is then. You're not going to be there today. You may not be there 20 years from now. You may not be there 60 years from now. That's the harsh realities that people don't like to hear, but yeah. it's true. Mm-hmm. But I also believe if you really sell out to it and you put in work, you will be rewarded. Yeah. Um, and those rewards are God's rewards, not, mm-hmm. not what we think. The, the, the outcome, the goal is just something to get us moving in a direction, right? But then God can do whatever he wants to do. Um, but those are the things we work through, right? Because it's just like if, you, if you're selling anything, I mean, emotion sells. I mean, my goal is always to sell people on themselves. You got all the answers. Mm. Are you going to choose to go deep enough internally to be able to do the external stuff? How many times have you read Bringing Out the Best in People? Never read it, actually. You've never read that book? No. Because you, you just read me I mean, I've book, read a basically. lot of yeah. books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point, pretty much every book is almost says the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I was hype. I just bought uh, Practice by Seth Godin. Okay. And I'm like, I really feel like this is what all I talk about. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. writing it, but he comes at it with a new perspective and he always says things that are amazing and tells great stories. 
But that's the thing, though, right? Like, it, it's taking time with ourselves to ask those questions and not just doing. Mm -hmm. You know, the doing is great and it's a necessity. I mean, I think people misunderstand, like, my use of the word grind. Mm -hmm. It's not working 17 hours a day. I'm the last guy who wants to do that. Yep. I, I'm very much obsessed with Tim Ferriss and, like, four-hour work week. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I could work four hours a week and make what I make today, I'd be very happy. Yes, mm. likewise. <laughs> likewise. <laughs> but that's not reality. So I'm cool with working 16-hour days or 20 if I need to. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But the grind isn't. The grind for me is figuring out how to be more intentional than I was the day before. Mm. And a lot of that is spending time asking myself those questions mm -hmm. or having somebody else ask me those questions. So the grind of improving, not the grind of oh, putting in... Yeah, it's knowing where you're going and knowing the direction of how you're going to get there, being intentional with that process, but also not being so sold out to the process that you can't change. That's why I'm obsessed with like Nick Saban, you know, to not to always go back to Alabama Roll football. Tide. Exactly. Roll it's rolling right now. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, look at Nick Saban's career, whether yeah. you like him, don't like him, it doesn't matter. He's a great coach and he has changed just enough. He, he, he The process is almost the same. Yep. But he knows when, you know what, the process isn't working anymore. We got to open it up on offense. Mm -hmm. What we're doing in strength and conditioning isn't working anymore. And this is perfect because our guys leave and we're going to bring new guys in, you know, who are more scientific. I mean, it's constant with him. Yeah. And that's the way I want to live for myself and others. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm always evaluating. And that's why it's not just a one-time thing. Yeah. And it's not just to go, go run an, a marathon or go do something hard. It's more scientific than that mm -hmm. because you have the answers. We just have to find them. I had a, a buddy of mine text me today. Well, he called me last week. He texted me a day to thank me, but I didn't do anything. I spent 10 minutes doing what I'm doing with you. And I did give him a couple of opinions on how I do what he was asking about. But then he, uh, it was just, he, he busy doing a lot of hours. He's a CPA, plus he bartends like, um, and he was just like, man, I'm burnt out, but I don't feel like I should stop. So we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. And I don't think it's a big deal. Like if I need to slow down, I give myself a, a time limit. I'd never, I never stop doing my disciplines, but I give myself a time limit where I'm not going to do extra projects or I'm going to do the bare minimum. Maybe it's a week. Mm -hmm. um, and then I reevaluate and move forward. And then once again, it's asking questions. Because if mm -hmm. I'm like, man, it kind of feels good to do nothing. Why? What's going on? Is there mm -hmm. something you have to deal with or are you just being lazy? And then, you know, you go deeper, deeper. But he texts me today saying thanks. And I'm like, well, what'd you do? And he's like, dude, I fasted. Okay. <laughs> he had the answer. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't come up with that. Yeah. You know, I mean, we talked and obviously having that different perspective allowed him to go deeper because it was just asking, why do you feel that way? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Where else are you feeling that way? you know, defining those emotions are so important and the guys just don't want to do it, but it's, it, it you know where you need to go. Mm -hmm. You know what you need to do. So wrapping up with this, because I know you got to get out of here pretty soon. Yeah. We're, we're a little over on time, but okay. one of my favorite phrases of all time and anytime something, I have to do something that sucks with every adversity, there's a seed of equal or greater benefit. What does that mean to you? Before I answer, it's funny because my favorite quote is through adversity comes opportunity. Okay. I like it. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's just that. You know, the thing, you can't see, you know, we don't see the forest through the trees, right? I mean, if we would just pause 
and realize something's not happening maybe to us. You know, maybe it's something for us. Uh, but once again, that's a whole mindset. I mean, that, you know, that, that kind of, of thought, if you come from a place where maybe you grew up and, and every, the world is against you, and there's no opportunity. I mean, I talk to these folks every day, just, just I'm sure like you guys do. That takes, that's going to take 20 years. Because it probably, t- you know, if they're 20 years old, it probably took them 20 years to get there. It may take 40 years. Hopefully it would take less if they would do some, some work in that area, some cognitive work. But to me, I am constantly looking for opportunity. And it's not even like a what's next. I'm not sold on, on like always having to do what's next. That's not it. But I'm day to day, just like we talked about, it's how do I crush my potential? So then when something happens, I realize that one, I can't do anything about it. This is an external thing. I mean, I can do something about it, but I can't stop it from happening. It's external. It's happening to me. Number two, how can I be better because of it? I mean, we got into, when my wife and I got married, we got into a lawsuit. First home we ever bought, we got into a lawsuit, plus we were getting married. It was terrible. Lots of money, no fun. But to me, I was like, this is, it sucks. And you have to name it. You yeah. have to name the emotion. It is what it is. It's terrible. But it's happening. We can't stop it. So we can sit and complain about it. Or one, we can become closer through this. You know, we can walk with each other through this. We can, we can really form a solid relationship. And two, as long as we continue to take a step, doing what we do day by day, like we will be rewarded for that. And that's, I always believe the rewards will happen. I just believe the universe is set up that way. I've seen it too many times. I've lived it too many times. I mean, I've never filled out a, a resume ever. I'm Good for 43 you. 43 years old. Good for you. But anybody, <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, though, is anybody can do that. Like, I'm not special right. in that way. I'm not. What I think I decide to do is special for me. But anyone can, and I'm not saying people should go around and not do resumes. That's my thing. But people have their things that they choose to not listen to. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it goes through. Through any adversity, are you seeing the opportunity? But then the magic for me really happened when I learned to create the adversity for myself. Mm. So then when external adversity hits, it's like, man, I do this every day. Uh, like COVID. This is, I'm, like, it ain't that big of a deal, people. Yeah. Especially when you start looking at perspectives. It ain't mm-hmm. nothing compared, uh, you know, to the history of mankind. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yes. It's horrible. And yes. I know people have impacted. I don't sound very empathetic. Um, and I am, and it's horrible, but I'm speaking big picture, very, very yeah. macro. Yep. Um, so, you know, but that's what adversity gives you. It gives you the, I mean, the fasting that you were just talking about, it gives you an entirely different perspective of life mm-hmm. because you can not only use that in food, you can use it in everything else yeah. you do. And that to me is if you live a life of adversity, I mean, if not, you're just a masochist. Mm. Like if you don't, if you don't think there's opportunity mm. at the yeah. end. Of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as much as I think I'm a masochist at some time and I really enjoy it too much, um, there is rewards. There are rewards at the end of it. So I don't, I don't know if that fully answered your question. I hope it did. I think it did. I think that's a great way to put a bow on it. 
want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Out of the Rut brought to you by Rakowski Podcast Network. I want to thank you for tuning in today. And uh, please go ahead and subscribe if you haven't done that already. Hit that like button. We always like that. And uh, have a great week. Hope this helped. Take care, guys. Oh, 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 oh